Okay, and welcome back. I hope everyone's staying safe, and I hope you're enjoying The Giver. And I will lead us into a just quiet meditation for a second. Just sit relaxed. See if you can keep both feet on the ground if possible. And just relax the energy in your hands. Just feel the energy in your hands. Okay, and now take a breath through your nose. Slowly. Hold your breath for a second and just let it out slowly. And now you can relax your shoulders. Okay, and we are going to begin reading chapter 14, which is on page 141. So if you want to pause now, you can, and then um, go to page 141. If you remember from chapters 12 and 13, Jonas has begun learning about colors. And... Um, how his community does not see colors. So everyone in his community sees just plain shades of the sameness. So one of the reasons that the community has chosen this is because they believe that when things are different, if you have different colors, you can make choices. And when you make choices, you can make the wrong choices. And that can cause pain. Okay, we're going to start on chapter 14, page 141. It was much the same, this memory, though the hills seemed to be a different one, steeper, and the snow was not falling as thickly as it had before. It was colder, also Jonas, Jonas perceived. He could see, as he sat waiting at the top of the hill, that the snow beneath the sled was not thick and soft as it had been before, but hard and coated with bluish ice. The sled moved forward and Jonas grinned with delight, looking forward to the breathtaking slide down through the invigorating air. But the runners this time couldn't slice through the frozen expanse as they had on the other snow-cushioned hill. And just so you know, a runner is the metal part of the, the sled. They skittered sideways, and the sled gathered speed. Jonas pulled at the rope, trying to steer, but the steepness and speed took control from his hands, and he was no longer enjoying the feeling of freedom, but instead terrified, was at the mercy of the acceleration downward, over the ice. Sideways spinning, the sled hit a bump in the hill and Jonas was jarred loose and thrown violently into the air. 
He fell with his leg twisted underneath him and could hear the crack of bone. His face scraped along jagged edges of ice when he came. And when he came, at last, to a stop, he lay shocked and still feeling nothing at first but fear. Then, the first wave of pain, he gasped. It was as if a hatchet lay lodged in his leg, slicing through each nerve with a hot blade. In his agony, he perceived the word fire and felt flames licking at the torn bone and flesh. He tried to move and could not. The pain grew. He screamed. There was no answer. Sobbing, he turned his head and vomited onto the frozen snow. Blood dripped from his face into the vomit. No, he cried, and the sound disappeared into the empty landscape, into the wind. Then suddenly, he was in the annex room again, writhing on the bed. His face was wet with tears. Able to move now, he rocked his own body back and forth, breathing deeply to release the remembered pain. He sat and looked at his own leg, where it lay straight on the bed, unbroken. The brutal slice of pain was gone, but the, leg, but the leg ached horribly still, and his face felt raw. May I have relief of pain, please, he begged. It was always provided in his everyday life for the bruises and wounds for a mashed finger, a stomach ache, a skinned knee from a fall, from a, fraw, from a bike. There was always a daub of anesthetic ointment or a pill or in severe instances, instances an injection that brought complete and inst instantaneous deliverance. But the giver said no and looked away. Limping, Jonas walked home, pushing his bicycle that evening. The sunburn pain has been so small in comparison and not stayed with him, but this ache lingered. It was un unendurable as the pain on the hill had been. It was not unendurable as the pain on the hill had been. Jonas tried to be brave. He remembered that the chief elder said he was brave. Is something wrong, Jonas? His father asked at the evening meal. You're so quiet tonight. Are you feel aren't you feeling well? Would you like some medication? But Jonas remembered the rules. No medication for anything related to his training and no discussion of his training. At the time for sharing of feelings, he simply said that he felt tired, that his school lessons had been unusually demanding that day. He went to his sleeping room early, and from behind the closed door, he could hear his parents, sister, his parents and sister laughing as they gave Gabriel his evening bath. They have never known pain, he thought. The realization made him feel desperately lonely, and he rubbed his throbbing leg. He eventually slept. Again and again he dreamed of the anguish and the isolation on the forsaken hill. The daily training continued, and now it, was always, and now it always included pain. The agony of the fractured leg began to seem no more than a mild discomfort as the giver led Jonas firmly, little by little, into the deep and terrible suffering of the past. Each time, in his kindness, the giver ended the afternoon with a color-filled memory of pleasure, a brisk sail on a blue-green lake,
a meadow dotted with yellow wildflowers, an orange sunset behind mountains. It was not enough to assuage the pain that Jonas was beginning now to know. Why, Jonas as himself, asked why Jonas asked him after he had received a torturous memory in which he had been neglected and unfed. The hunger had caused excruciating spasms in his, in his empty, distended stomach. He lay on the bed aching. Why do you and I have to hold these memories? It gives us wisdom, the giver replied. Without wisdom, I could not fully, I could not fulfill my function of advising the committee of elders when they call upon me. But what wisdom do you get from hunger? Jonas groaned. His stomach still hurt through the memory head, though the memory had ended. Some years ago, the giver told him, before your birth, a lot of citizens petitioned the committee of elders. They wanted to increase the rate of births. They wanted each birth mother to be assigned four births instead of three so that the population would increase and there would be more laborers available. Jonas nodded, listening. That makes sense. The idea was that certain family units can accommodate an additional child. Jonas nodded again. Mine could, he pointed out. We have Gabriel this year and it's fun having a third child. The committee of elders sought my advice, the giver said. It made sense to them, too, but it was a new idea, and they came to me for wisdom. And you used your memories? The giver said yes, and the, st the strongest memory that came was hunger. It came from many a generations back, centuries back. The population had gotten so big that hunger was everywhere, excruciating hunger and starvation. It was followed by warfare. Warfare? It was a concept Jonas did not know, but hunger was familiar to him now. Unconsciously, he rubbed his own abdomen, recalling the pain of his unfulfilled needs. So you describe that to them? They don't want to hear about pain. They just seek the advice. I simply advise them against increasing the population. But you said that that was before my birth. They hardly ever come to you for advice. Only when they, what was it you said? When they have a problem they've never faced before. When, when did it happen last? Do you remember the day that plane flew over the community? Yes, I was scared. So were they. They prepared to shoot it down, but they sought my advice. I told them to wait. But how did you know? How did you know the pilot was lost? I didn't. I used my wisdom from the memories. I knew that there had been times in the past, terrible times, when people had destroyed others in haste, in fear, and had brought about their own destruction. Jonas realized something. That means, he said slowly, that you have memories of destruction, and you have to give them to me too because I have to get the wisdom? The giver nodded. But it will hurt, Jonas said. It wasn't a question. It will hurt terribly, the giver agreed. But why can't everyone have the memories? I think I would be, it, would be, it would seem a little easier if the memories were shared. You and I wouldn't have to bear so much by ourselves if everybody took a part. 
The giver sighed. You're right, he said. But then everyone would be burdened and pained. They, they don't want that. And that's the real reason the receiver is so vital to them and so honored. They selected me and you to lift that burden from themselves. When did they decide that? Jonas asked angrily. It wasn't fair. Let's change it. How do you suggest we do that? I've never been able to think of a way, and I'm supposed to be the one with all the wisdom. But there are two of us now, Jonas said eagerly. Together we can think of something. The giver watched him with a wry smile. Why can't we just apply for a change of rules, Jonas suggested. The giver laughed. Then Jonas too chuckled reluctantly. The decision was made long before my time or yours, the giver said, and before the previous receiver, and he waited. Back and back and back, Jonas repeated the familiar phrase. Sometimes it had seemed humorous to him. Sometimes it had seemed meaningful and important. Now it was ominous. It meant, he knew, that nothing could be changed. The new child, Gabriel, was growing and successfully passed the test of maturity that the nurturer gave each month. He could sit alone now, could reach for and grasp small play objects, and he had six teeth. During the daytime hours, father reported he was cheerful and seemed of normal intelligence, but he remained fretful at night, whimpering often, needing frequent attention. After all this extra time I've put in with him, father said one evening, Gabriel had been bathed and was lying for the moment, hugging his hippo placidly in the small crib that had placed the bas- that had replaced the basket. I hope they're not going to decide to release him. Maybe it would be for the best, mother suggested. I know you don't mind getting up I know you don't mind getting up with him at night, but the lack of sleep is awfully hard for me. If they release Gabriel, can we get another new child as a visitor, asked Lily. She was kneeling beside the crib, making funny faces at the little one, who was smiling back at her. Jonas's mother rolled her eyes in dismay. No, father said, smiling. He roughed Lily's hair. It's very rare, anyway, that a new child's status is as uncertain as Gabriel's. It probably won't happen again for a long time. Anyway, he sighed, they won't make the decision for a while. Right now, we're all preparing for release. We'll probably have to make very soon. There's a birth mother who's expecting twin males next month. Oh, dear, mother said, shaking her head. If they're identical, I hope you're not the one assigned. I am. I'm next on the list. I'll have to select the one to be nurtured and the one to be released. It's usually not hard, though. Usually it's just a matter of birth weight. We released the smaller of the two. Jonas, listening, thought suddenly about the bridge and how standing there he had wondered what lay elsewhere. Was there someone there waiting who, could, who would receive the tiny release twin? Would it grow up elsewhere, not knowing ever that in his community lived a being who looked exactly the same? For a moment, he felt a tiny fluttering hope that he knew was quite foolish. He hoped that it would be Larissa waiting. Larissa, the old woman he had bathed. He remembered her sparkling eyes, her soft voice, her low chuckle. 
Fiona had told him recently that Larissa had been released at a wonderful ceremony. But he knew that the old were not given children to raise. Larissa's life elsewhere would be quiet and serene as befit the old. She would not welcome the responsibility of nurturing a new child who needed feeding and care and would likely cry at night. Mother? Father? He said, the idea coming to him unexpectedly. Why don't we put Gabriel's crib in my room tonight? I know how to feed and comfort him, and it would let you, Father, get some sleep. Father looked doubtful. You sleep so soundly, Jonas. What if his restlessness didn't wake you? It was Lily who answered that. If no one goes to ten Gabriel, she pointed. He, if, if no one goes to ten Gabriel, she pointed out, he gets very loud. He'd wake all of us if Jonas slept through it. Father laughed. You're right, Lily Billy. All right, Jonas, let's try it just for tonight. I'll take the night off and we'll let mother get some sleep too. Gabriel slept soundly for the earliest part of the night. Jonas in his bed lay awake for a while. From time to time, he raised himself on one elbow, looking over the crib. The new child was on his stomach. His arms relaxed beside his head. His eyes closed and his breathing regular and undisturbed. Finally, Jonas slept too. Then, as the middle hours of the night approached, the noise of Gabe's restlessness woke Jonas. The new child was turning under his cover, flailing his arms and beginning to whimper. Jonas rose and went to him. Gently, he patted Gabriel's back. Sometimes that was all it took to lull him back to sleep. But the new child squirmed fretfully under his hand. Still padding rhythmically, Jonas began to remember the wonderful sail that the giver had given him not long before. A bright, breezy day on a clear turquoise lake, and above him the white sail of the boat billowing as he moved along the brisk wind. He was not aware of giving, he was not aware of giving the memory, but suddenly he realized that it was becoming dimmer, that it was sliding through his hand into the beginning of the new child. Gabriel became quiet. Startled, Jonas pulled back what was left of the memory with a burst of will. He removed his hand from the little back and stood quietly beside the crib. Okay, chapter 15, page 153. Can take a moment now to um, find that page. You can pause the recording. So we know that Jonas has been experiencing memories that cause pain, basically a broken leg he has experienced. We also know from the last chapter that um, the community will release twins, uh, not release both of them, but will release the one that is, who weighs less. So they'll, they'll weigh and then they'll release the other child. Uh, we also know that Gabriel might get released 
if he doesn't get better. And so now uh, Jonas is um, helping him by letting Gabriel sleep in the bedroom with Jonas. And here is chapter 15. Jonas entered the annex room and realized immediately that it was a day when he would be sent away. The giver was rigid in his chair, his face in his hands. I'll come back tomorrow, he said quickly. Then he hesitated, unless maybe there's something I can do to help. The giver looked up at him, his face contorted with suffering. Please, he gasped, take some of the pain. Jonas helped him to his chair at the side of the bed. Then he quickly removed his tunic and lay face down. Put your hands on me, he directed, aware that in such anguish the giver might need reminding. The hand came the hands came and the pain came with them, and through them Jonas braced himself and entered the memory which was torturing the giver. He was confused, noisy, foul-smelling place. It was daylight, early morning, and the air was thick with smoke that hung, yellow and brown, above the ground, around him everywhere, far across the expanse of what seemed to be a field, lay groaning men. A wild-eyed horse, its bridle torn and dangling, trotted frantically through the mounds of men, tossing its head, whining in pain, in panic. It stumbled, finally, then fell and did not rise. Jonas heard a voice next to him. Water, the voice said in a parched, croaking whisper. He turned his head toward the voice and looked into the half-closed eyes of a boy who seemed not much older than himself. Dirt streaked the boy's face and his matted blonde hair. He laid sprawled, his gray uniform glistening with wet, fresh blood. The colors of the courage, the colors of the carnage were grotesquely bright. The crimson wetness on the rough and dusty fabric the ripped shreds of grass, startlingly green in the boy's yellow hair. The boy stared at him. Water, he begged again when he spoke, and a new spurt of blood drenched the coarse cloth across his chest and sleeve. One of Jonas's arms was immobilized with pain, and he could see through his own torn sleeve something that looked like ragged flesh and splintery bone. He tried, his he tried his remaining arm and felt it move. Slowly, he reached to his side, felt the metal container there, and removed its cap, stopping the small motion of his hand now and then to wait for the surging pain to ease. Finally, when the container was open, he extended his arm slowly across the blood-soaked earth, inch by inch, and held it to the lips of the boy. Water trickled into the imploring mouth and down the grimy chin. The boy sighed. His head fell back, his lower jaw dropping as if he had as he had been surprised by something. A dull darkness slid slowly across his eyes. He was silent. But the noise continued all around. The cries of the wounded men, the cries begging for water, for mother and for death. Horses lying on the ground shrieked, raised their heads, and stabbed randomly towards the sky with their hoofs. 
From the distance, Jonas could see the thud of cannons. Overwhelmed by pain, he lay there in the fearsome stench for hours, listened to the men and animals died and learned what warfare meant. Finally, he knew that he could bear it no longer and would become and would welcome death itself. He opened his eyes and was once again on the bed. The giver looked away as if he could not bear to see what he had done to Jonas. Forgive me, he said. Okay, chapter 15, page 153. You can take a moment now to um, find that page. You can pause the recording. So we know that Jonas has been experiencing memories that cause pain, basically a broken leg he has experienced. We also know from the last chapter that um, the community will release twins, uh, not release both of them, but will release the one that is, who weighs less. So they'll, they'll weigh and then they'll release the other child. Uh, we also know that Gabriel might get released if he doesn't get better. And so now uh, Jonas is uh, helping him by letting Gabriel sleep in the bedroom with Jonas. And here is chapter 15. Jonas entered the annex room and realized immediately that it was a day when he would be sent away. The giver was rigid in his chair, his face in his hands. I'll come back tomorrow, he said quickly. Then he hesitated. Unless maybe there's something I can do to help. The giver looked up at him, his face contorted with suffering. Please, he gasped. Take some of the pain. Jonas helped him to his chair at the side of the bed. Then he quickly removed his tunic and lay face down. Put your hands on me, he directed, aware that in such anguish the giver might need reminding. The hand came the hands came and the pain came with them, and through them, Jonas braced himself and entered the memory which was torturing the giver. He was confused, noisy, foul-smelling place. It was daylight, early morning, and the air was thick with smoke that hung, yellow and brown, above the ground, around him, everywhere, far across the expanse of what seemed to be a field, lay groaning men. A wild-eyed horse, its bridle torn and dangling, trotted frantically through the mounds of men, tossing its head, whining in pain, in panic. It stumbled, finally, then fell and did not rise. Jonas heard a voice next to him. Water, the voice said in a parched, croaking whisper. He turned his head toward the voice and looked into the half-closed eyes of a boy who seemed not much older than himself. Dirt streaked the boy's face and his matted blonde hair. He laid sprawled, his gray uniform glistening with wet, fresh blood. 
The colors of the courage, the colors of the carnage, were grotesquely bright. The crimson wetness on the rough and dusty fabric, the ripped shreds of grass, startlingly green in the boy's yellow hair. The boy stared at him. Water, he begged again when he spoke, and a new spurt of blood drenched the coarse cloth across his chest and sleeve. One of Jonas's arms was immobilized with pain, and he could see through his own torn sleeve something that looked like ragged flesh and splintery bone. He tried his, rema- he tried his remaining arm and felt it move. Slowly he reached to his side, felt the metal container there, and removed its cap, stopping the small motion of his hand now and then to wait for the surging pain to ease. Finally, when the container was open, he extended his arm slowly across the blood-soaked earth, inch by inch, and held it to the lips of the boy. Water trickled into the imploring mouth and down the grimy chin. The boy sighed. His head fell back, his lower jaw dropping as if he had surprised as he had been surprised by something. A dull darkness slid slowly across his eyes. He was silent. But the noise continued all around. The cries of the wounded men, the cries begging for water, for mother, and for death. Horses lying on the ground shrieked raised their heads, and stabbed randomly towards the sky with their hoofs. From the distance, Jonas could see the thud of cannons. Overwhelmed by pain, he lay there in the fearsome stench for hours, listened to the men and animals died and learned what warfare meant. Finally, he knew that he could bear it no longer and would become and would welcome death itself. He opened his eyes and was once again on the bed. The giver looked away as if he could not bear to see what he had done to Jonas. Forgive me, he said.